Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 from the Message Bible reads like this. Christ's love showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with Him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. Just whack the person next to you and say, that's for you, buddy. My ego is no longer, Joel and Susie looked at each other in the front row and went, that's for you. (laughs) It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or that I have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. The more traditional translation, the NIV, it says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. When you and I, start to think about Jesus. One of the first things I think we recognise about Jesus is that He presented to us the most audacious promises. When we think about Jesus, He said to us things like, I will give you rest. If you're burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Now, as a guy about to get on a plane tomorrow for 10 days of holidays, that's a verse I'm leaning into right now. Anybody here feel like they could do with a little bit of rest? Can you give me a little wave? I will give you rest. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life in all of its fullness. Jesus offered to us peace. He said, peace I leave with you and peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. He said, I am the way, I am the truth and I am the life. And when we start to think about Jesus, we realise that He did more for us than just heal the sick and conquer the grave. But Jesus offers to each and every one of us claims that He is able to completely change our lives. And the truth is, team, that Jesus does bring a radical change to the life of many, many people. Yet if I'm being honest, if I'm being candid about my 25 plus years of full-time Christian service, the reality is that I talk with Christians all the time who are finding the promises of God elusive in their daily experiences. And if that is true, then I guess the challenge for us is to discover why. And I guess the follow-up question would be how, why do we find the promises elusive and how can we find the promises that Jesus offers to each and any, every one of us real in our lives? Because I don't know about you, but I'm all up for God's peace and I'm all up for His burden to be lifted from me, my burden to be lighter. And I'm all up for the life of God to become mine and to know His joy that wants to resonate in our beings. And if we experience that there is a lack of it, then I guess we've got to ask ourselves the question, how do we know this life and how can it become part of every part of who we are? Because in our culture, in our culture, It is real that many people are struggling to experience the life of Jesus. When we think about even church people, even even church people are struggling to know life. They are devoid of peace. We are often stressed and not rested. 
Yet, hopefully you've had moments of worship in your services this morning, wherever you are, as we've been singing, Jesus be the center of it all. As I get close to God in moments of my life, would anybody here say along with me that when I get close to God in moments of worship, His promises seem very real and very present. Yet at moments of my life, they can seem so far. So how do those promises become my experiences? And something about drawing close to God tells me that there must be more. And what I'm searching for, what we are all in need of today is the secret that unlocks the door. How do we find the life and the promises of God and how do they become part of who we are? Well, the truth is, team, if we're going to discover the key that unlocks the door to God's promises, we need to look not at God's promises, but at His challenges. We need to listen not selectively to the juicy details that Jesus presented to people that seem so desirable to us. That Jesus said, I will give you rest and I will give you peace and I've got life and you'll know joy and I am with you. We need to look beyond that and consider what it means to open ourselves up, not selectively to what Jesus said, but to everything that Jesus said. And when we start to consider Jesus' promises, we start to realise that Jesus can deliver, but if we're gonna know what He has for us, then we need to realise that when Jesus spoke to people in the Bible, He loved them enough not to tell them just what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. And for you and me, let's just remember that we worship the Jesus who loves us enough not to give us just a consumer spiritual moment, but a God who loves us enough to penetrate the heart and soul of who we are and tell us what we really need to know in our lives. Check out this passage of Scripture, and it's not so cutesy, and most people don't quote it on a regular basis. But in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus called a crowd to Him along with His disciples, and this is what He said. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a person to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? When I read words like that, I don't know about you, but I don't want the preacher to preach on it. Who's with me today? (laughs) When I read words like that, I'm like, wow, that is a hectic verse of Scripture. But the truth is what we've got here is the same God who said, I'm gonna give you peace and I'm gonna lift your burden and I'm gonna forgive your sin and I'm gonna cure your disease is the same Jesus who not only gave us promises, but directs to us challenges. Why? Because when Jesus gives to us challenges, He confronts our priorities and He changes our lives. A rich young ruler came to Jesus and I've often believed that we live in an age where our society is full of rich young rulers. The three most desirable things in our world today would be youth, money, and fame. And the rich young ruler has them all. He's got life on a lockdown. He is the celebrity of his age with money to burn, a Maserati in the, ga- in the garage, and he has influence in society. And the Bible says that he comes to Jesus acknowledging that he still lacks something. That the promises are not real. And he says to Jesus, I know it, it doesn't add up. I know I've got it all on the outside. Yet that life is so elusive on the inside. 
How can I find what I need so desperately? And the Bible says that Jesus firstly looked at him and he loved him. He looked at him and he loved him. He looked at him to, with eyes that were filled with, I care about you genuinely. So I'm not just gonna tell you what's cute and religious. I'm gonna tell you what can actually change your life. And this is what Jesus said to him, go sell everything that you have. Go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. And then you're gonna have treasure in heaven. But it's not gonna be before you let go of what is holding you. Jesus said to His disciples one day, He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot be my disciple. Wow. Wow, sell everything that you have. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. Wow, what kind of God would give to people these kinds of challenges? And what we start to realise about Jesus is that He's not offering you and me get rich quick. That Jesus isn't coming to our lives with something that is cutesy or quaint. He is coming to us with teaching that is radical, that is challenging. And yes, it is confronting. And why is that? The reason is because Jesus is not our feel-good guru. That Jesus is not a cuddly celestial being. Nor is Jesus, I love this, a bespoke consumer spirituality provider. Come on, anybody notice? It's like we've got more and more apps we're getting available and more and more things and meditate here and do this there and get involved in this there. And it's like everybody's looking for a bespoke consumer spirituality. But our Jesus is not a bespoke consumer spirituality provider. You don't pick and choose. You don't decide I want the peace, but I don't want the surrender. You don't decide I like the joy, but I don't want the cross. When you come to Jesus... We need to realise that there's only one way that He makes a tangible difference in our lives. To first, to receive the promises of God, we must first acknowledge the power and the wonder of God. If we're gonna know God's making a difference on the inside of us, we've gotta realise about Jesus that He is the Word that spoke and creation came into existence. He is the God who said, let there be light. And there was light four days before the sun and moon were created. When we think about our God, we're coming to a God who is pure, a God who is absolute power, a God who is wisdom, not has a little bit of it. He is it. We're coming to the author of truth. We're coming to a holy God. We're coming to one who is Lord. And when we come to this and we consider our age, I get concerned that even in the church, even in the church, where we live in a world that is so pervasive with a value that says it's just all about me. And when we come into anything, including God and religion and Jesus and worship, our primary driver, your cultural message that just gets rammed in so deep is that we're thinking to ourselves, what's in it for me? What do I get out of it? And that maybe in the middle of these pervasive messages, we have actually lost sight of who the real Jesus is. That He's not just a little cutesy figure. He's not a celestial being. He's not just a God who's there for us when life, goes, when life is tough. But the real Jesus wants to impact the way that we're living our lives today. Here's my question for us this morning. How is the real Jesus changing the way we think about ourselves right now? What is different about our priorities? What has changed about our worldview? What is unique about our ideals? And what has changed about our worship because we know Jesus? Because here's the truth, team. To know Jesus, to experience Jesus, 
to commune with Jesus requires first, first that we surrender our lives to Jesus. Oh yeah, His promises are real. He ain't kidding. He can make a difference. But friends, for us to know Him, we have to be willing to say, listen, you are my God. You are my King. You are worthy. Not just of my affection, but of my devotion and of my surrender. I surrender my life to you. Why? Because you are Lord. You are Lord. I get a little bit concerned that for many Christians, they start to think about Jesus, that if He was to appear in this room, that maybe they'd just slap off a high five with Him and say, homeboy. That, you know, I mean, when I grew up in church, I, I, I just thought God was angry because the preacher always was. You know what I'm talking about? Like the preacher was up there like, the God, the devil, hell. And I just thought that God was angry. And I guess in the last 20, 30 years of the church, we've gone on a good journey. I think it's a good journey to distance ourselves from a God who is austere. He is not. He's not cold. He's not dispassionate. He's not angry with you. He's not looking at you with like, like with a furrowed brow. That's not the kind of God that He is. He is, he, is, he is a loving Father. He is concerned with His people. But let's not get that and accentuate it so far that the real Jesus becomes someone who is just cute. When Jesus walks in a room, we've lost honour if, we, if we're not careful. You know what I mean? Honour is a kingdom virtue. And for many Christians, I feel like they think that if Jesus walked in the room, they're like, Jesus, homeboy, there is nothing in the Bible that leads me to believe you're slapping high fives with Jesus when He turns up in a room. Everything about what I read in the Bible leads me to believe that when Jesus turns up, we fall on our knees, we lift our hands and surrender, and we acknowledge You are the King of kings, You are the Lord of lords, You are God supreme, You are holy, You are pure, You are righteous. And in every location and in your bedroom online, if you believe it, why don't you praise Him for about four seconds? Come on. He is our Lord and He is our God. Hey, listen, true, He is not to be feared, but He is to be revered. He is to be revered. He is to be honoured. He is not angry with you, friend. But we've got to finish that sentence. He's not angry with you, but that doesn't automatically mean He has access to you. If He's going to be more than just a cute Jesus that you acknowledge on a Sunday, then it has to get to a point where deliberately, intentionally, we say, I am now opening my heart, my life, my all. Be my Lord. We may lift our hands in worship, but it doesn't necessarily mean we're opening our hearts and surrender. We may acknowledge Him, but that doesn't mean we submit to Him. Hello? And I believe that for us to know more of Jesus in our lives, let me give you the phrase properly, the more of our lives we surrender to Jesus, the more of Jesus we will experience in our lives. The more of our lives we surrender to Jesus, the more of Jesus we will experience in our lives. The more of our lives we surrender to Jesus, then the more of Jesus we will experience in our lives. 
Jesus is the peace in the middle of the storm. Jesus is joy regardless of circumstances. Jesus is the answer to our problems. Jesus is faith. Jesus is your plan. Jesus is the future. Jesus, Jesus is the author of my salvation. Jesus is reason when the world goes crazy. Jesus is everything that I need. And on the other side of my surrender is Jesus. So I say, I give you my all, then He gives me His all. But my friends, the more of us we surrender to Jesus, the more of Jesus we experience in our lives. Oh man, we could easily think that our problem is that we're not happy enough. So Christianity's not working for me. And our dreams aren't being realised. So does God even love me? And life seems so bland. So where is this God that we speak of? I need to change my life. And I feel so stressed in my world. But when we read God's promises, and we're trying to work them out, we start to realize that there is a God who offers to us some incredible things. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. He said, I'm, I'm, I've come that you may have life. I have a plan for you to give you a future and a hope. He said, peace I will leave with you and peace I give to you. And these promises are absolutely available for each and every one of us. But the challenge for you and me at a very, very personal level today is how? Because when Jesus spoke to the rich young ruler and when he confronted his disciples, his goal was never to take. His goal was never to hurt and his goal was never to destroy. His goal was always to point, to lead and to guide. And that Jesus looks at a rich young ruler and this is what he said to him. Fame, youth and wealth. And looking at him with a concerned expression, Jesus said, you still lack something, dude. You don't have eternal life because you're trying to grasp your life. You're so busy holding on to you that you do not have the ability to grab hold of me. You're so wanting to be the author of your own world that you won't let me be the creator of your tomorrows. And Jesus said, you've got to let go of what holds you so that you can grab a hold of me. You could try to hold on to your wealth, but you're letting go of your life. Jesus said, what would you give in exchange for your soul? And I believe in a God who wants to come and make a difference in our lives. I believe that. I believe that He wants to not only be a cutesy Sunday worship experience, but a transformative God who's shaping the way that I feel, that, that I can find what that Scripture says, this hope we have as an anchor for the soul, both firm and secure, that I could literally go through the darkest of nights and not fear what is ahead, that I could go through challenges of life and feel like I'm gonna make my way through it. I believe that it is available for, available for you and me to know the kind of relationship with God that Job had. That when everything was taken away from Job, he simply just said, God gave it to me, God took it away from me, but God is still the center of my life. I'm not in love with my things, I'm in love with Him. And if you and I would be the brave souls that would open up our lives completely to God and surrender our lives to Him, then we would discover a God who can bring immense change to the daily realities of our lives if He is just allowed to take central place. 
Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross daily and follow me. Wow, anybody with me? Like what? Like it's one of those verses that on the wrong day, you just read it real quick and move on to someone else. Come on, anybody with me today? It's like, I don't, I don't even wanna dwell on that one. That is not the one I'm journaling on today. You know what I'm talking about? But he said, listen, if you wanna come after me, if you wanna know me, if you want me in the center of your life, then every day you need to take up your cross. Every day you need to surrender your will, your wants, your preferences to Jesus. You need to say, it is not my life, it is Jesus's life. The life I live, I don't live for me. I'm not attached to my own ego. God is at the center of my life. I live for Him. Every day, surrender. Every day, die to your own will. Every day, remind ourselves that Jesus is number one. And then let me tell you what's gonna happen. Every day, His peace is with me. Every day, His plan is becoming clearer for me. And every day, I'm drawing closer to the one who has all the answers that I need. I think you need to be a little bit more excited about that. That's the Jesus that we're talking about today. His challenges are radical because His promises are transformational. Let me tell you what Jesus isn't. He isn't a Buddha statue. He's not a quaint religious entity. When you're thinking about Jesus, listen, young people, you gotta know that Jesus is a wild powerful, majestic King of all creation. And He is looking for people who are obedient and trusting enough to say, this life, I give it to you. This all, I surrender to you. You are Lord Jesus. You are the Lord of my life. Jesus must be our Lord. Listen, guys, what we're trying to do is we're trying to work out how as a follower of Jesus, you know, following Jesus kind of fits into this life that I'm living and I've got a career and I've got dreams and I've got that. And where does Jesus fit in? And we find even that Christians, even Christians, in moments of change, like I've had a baby, so I'm gonna stop coming to church. Are you, are you mental? Are you absolutely deranged? God gave you the greatest gift that any married couple could ever have and your return is to say, well, I'm not gonna raise that child in a place where they're gonna know the way and the plan and the purpose of God. This you will have from my hand, honey. I just believe that's incredibly dangerous. When, when, when devotion to God is something that is optional based on the circumstances of your life, when obeying God is conditional to your happiness, you will hurt your own future. God is looking to be our God. It is not where Jesus fits into everything that is the question. It is where everything fits into Jesus that is the question. And if it doesn't fit in Him, then it is not good for us. We want God to give us what we want, but God wants to give us the will to desire what He wants. We want God to come along and say, here's what you asked me for, I've got it for you. And he says, that's not available, but I will give you the desire to want what I want for you. When we surrender our hearts and our lives to Jesus, it's gonna change us completely for the better. 
Because I talk to Christians sometimes and they're like, well, John, I'm not really happy. You know, like I've been a follower of Jesus, but I'm not happy. And the problem with that, guys, is that it's just a wrong focus. I mean, if you're, if you're waking up every morning going, where's my happiness meter at? You're always gonna end up living a pretty average, because at the end of the day, if you, you don't have enough money to stay happy. You don't have enough, you know, you've got, you got people in your world. That's enough reason to one day feel really happy and the next day to be so angry. Who's with me, you know? Like when you've got people in your life, it's gonna go break both ways. It's just a stupid focus. And we live in a culture that has tried to tell you that happiness is the ultimate thing. It is not. Holiness is the ultimate thing. And let me make that a little more central. Yeah, come on, give God some praise right now. God doesn't wanna make you happy. He wants to make you holy. What does that mean? It means you wake up every day and you say, Jesus, make me more like you. Because here's the thing, happiness is a byproduct of Christ-likeness. Happiness is a byproduct of Christ-likeness. You don't get happy because you go after it, you get happy because you go after Jesus. Somebody shout amen. Other Christians say, well, John, I've been following God for a while, but my dreams aren't being realized. My plans aren't coming true. Listen, let me ask you a question. Are they your dreams for you or are they God's plan for you? Because God has a plan for our lives, my friend. Make no two ways about it. But God's plan leaves no room for my plan. We used to sing a song when I was a kid in church. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Thee I freely give. We sing it. Where it changes our lives is where we have a conversation with God. When He becomes Lord, I wanna encourage you, I wanna stir you today to open up your lives to a wild, creative, powerful God who can take you further than your wildest dreams, who can reveal to you the most amazing reasons for joy and the blandest of so-called circumstances. A God who can author you with peace no matter what health prognosis you are given or whatever is the level of your bank account. A God who can make you deeply enjoy every moment of your life if you surrender it completely to Him. And here's the way the promises of God make a deep impact in the way that we live, when Jesus becomes our Lord. I speak to Christians sometimes and they say, John, well, Jesus you know, came to give me life and I should be able to just do whatever I want. No, Jesus came to give us life, but on the other side of our surrender to Him. People say, oh, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So I wanna do it so I should be able to do it because I'm free because of Jesus. No, the kind of freedom Jesus offers you is a much greater freedom than the freedom to do whatever you'd like to do today. Listen, let me just break it down for you. Two thirds of the things you'd like to do today are just bad for you. I'd like to eat an entire cake. It's not gonna give me life. You know what I'm saying? I really would, I'm not even lying to you. I'd like to just sit down right now. Carrot cake is what I'm thinking about. I'd like to eat the whole blimmin' thing. It would be amazing for me, but it would not be good for me. So what kind of God, what, kind of, what, what is unique, what is special about that? What kind of God is, or could be go, called God, yet the yardstick of whether He's really God is the degree to which He lets you do what you want to do. That's not God, that's stupidity. If I was a parent and I just let my kids do whatever I want, man, I would not be a good parent, I'd be a bad parent. The kind of 
freedom God gives you is not the freedom to do whatever you want to do. It is the kind of God so powerful, so powerful that He can give you the freedom from the harmful things you want to do and can change your desires to be things that are good for you. That kind of God is a real and living and powerful God. And that's the kind of God we wanna worship. If you believe in that kind of God, put your hands together and give Him some praise right now. That's a God worthy of our worship. You know, I've had people say to me, John, my marriage isn't making me happy. Like somehow, if your marriage isn't making you happy, it's now okay to leave it. What a lot of bulldust. And by the way, not in the Bible. I agree, God doesn't want you to live with physical abuse. I agree with that. But just because your husband doesn't buy you flowers every day and just because your wife isn't rocking your world anymore doesn't mean you've got an exit clause. Hello? There are moments in your life, not just your marriage. There are moments in your life and not just your marriage where it would seem so easy to walk away from your commitments and God won't let you. Why? Because walking through difficult days is the only way you find good ones. And let me tell you something. Somebody else is looking at somebody else and going, well, look at their marriage. I prophesy to you right now, there's at least 100 people who have been looking at somebody else's marriage and go, well, look how good their marriage is. God wants me to have a marriage like that. What if God doesn't give you a marriage like that? Would you still serve him? When Jesus spoke to Peter, he said, Peter, you're gonna die for me. Peter did what I would do. He pointed to John and go, well, what about him? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, if I gotta die, let him die too. You know what I'm talking about? Like, kids are like, if I gotta wash the dishes, what about my brother? Like, it's just the way we roll, right? And Jesus said, well, what is that to you? You follow me. We're not here to look at what other people have. We're not here to look at whether we've got the same material goods as somebody else. We're not here to look at somebody else's spouse or marriage or status and say, well, that's what God should give me. And if he doesn't, I'm disappointed. We're here to say, what does my journey of following Jesus look like for me? And why is that important? Because answering that question leads me towards God's life. He's my Lord first and my life giver second. A guarded heart to God cannot receive the promises of God. So we're here today in this series to simply put it to us like this. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord Jesus. Late last year, as the band come and join me on, on every campus, late last year, we were doing some work looking at the offices at the Arise Center and we flew down a friend of ours who's an interior decorator to give us like an overview of what we should be doing with the office part of the Arise Center that we just kind of moved into. And she gave us a whole lot of advice. And about four o'clock in the afternoon, Julian said, you know, Christine, could you just come over to our house and just give John and I some advice on what we should do with our own home? Because he's just so good. And so this interior decorator and her husband come round to our house and it's about four o'clock on a midweek day. And they, as they were making their way there, Jillian said something that I don't think she understood what she was saying. She said, just go for it. Just go for it. When you walk in the door of our house, just tell us what you think. We wanna know. Have freedom. Little did we know what was about to take place. This lady walks into our door and she is loud and passionate. She walks in the door of her house. Within 30 seconds of being in the door of her house, she's like, Robert, grab that couch. John, you get the other end. Move it over there. Put that couch there. Put this couch there. Then she literally looked at me and this is what she said, leave it like that. And then she was off to the next room. 
She grabbed a painting. Robert, grab that painting off the wall. Robert grabs the painting. She's like, comes round to the, our, our, our dining room. Put a nail in there. Hangs the kitchen. This It had always been in the living room. Now it's in the dining room. Then she went to my bedroom. My bedroom, people. Changed stuff around, threw stuff out, moved things out till we've got to give that away. That's gone. Put this there, changed everything around. Everything about our home was different and it was a scary experience. But you know, the truth is, guys, that because she was given freedom, she was able to bring a change. Because she was given freedom, she was able to bring a change. And our home has never been the same again. You can ask the interior decorator. Listen, Jesus is not your interior decorator. He is your life transformer. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And even if it's not your personal preference, it's better for you that you obey Jesus than anything else in your life. And when the Lord Jesus has given access to our lives, my friend, when He is allowed in, when He can remove what He wants, when He can speak to whatever He wants, then that is the moment that the life of Jesus begins to transform the people that we are. And I believe that God is just simply looking for a group of people that are just going to acknowledge, Jesus is my Lord. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at johncameronnz.